Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The intersection of information and conversation. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk, TNT. Welcome back to Weekends. This is hour three of the Sunday edition of the show, and my guest this hour is... I think he's one of TNT's favourites, a little teacher's pet perhaps, but I won't say that the way that I did, but it just sounds kind of funny because everyone, when they meet my next guest, they want to talk to him and they want to have him back on their show. His name is Billy Tikahika. He hails from New Zealand. And Billy is a man of many talents. Not only was he or is he an international blues guitarist, businessman, a former political uh, candidate. He attracted national and international media coverage, both as the leader of the New Zealand Public Party and for his stance on the New Zealand government's lockdown restrictions in response to COVID-19. Billy has been harassed by the New Zealand government and media for his views. He's a family man, a pastor, a documentary producer. It was a great documentary as well, and a presenter. And Billy's here to discuss a number of things, including the Citizens COVID inquiry, along with developments to join force and link arms around the world to bring truth and justice at long last to the COVID narrative. Billy, welcome back to Weekends. Oh, great pleasure to be here. And yes, I kind of do feel like I'm the guy that um, has suddenly become the teacher's pet of TNT Radio. I was on with Dean last week and uh, and here I am again with, with uh, you, Jace, and uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Well, likewise, it's wonderful to have you on the show and to see you again. And I appreciate the time and dedication that you not just given to us, but we're all working together for the common good here and to bring truth uh, to power, which has been devastating over the last few years and the denials, the uh, the obfuscation, uh, the, the, the continuing uh, pretending that uh, what we can see and hear with our own eyes and ears is just being denied by a system that seems to only want to protect itself and to gaslight the rest of us. And you've got involved and created, in fact, the New Zealand COVID Citizen Inquiry. Um, what I wanted to, to to start perhaps by talking about is, um, is, is first of all, how it's going and uh, the depth and magnitude of the work that's taken place is something that seems to be spreading around the world. How is it going at this stage? Are, are, you, are you confident? Are you, is, it, is it building momentum? How are things happening? Yeah, good, great question and great uh, great way to start the interview. It's going fantastic. It really, truly is. It's building uh, momentum almost, it seems, on a daily basis. I was um, I was on the, uh, the great southern continent last week. Uh, I went to Melbourne, which is one of my favourite cities. Sorry, uh, Billy, we call it the mainland. The, the well, we are the we are the the, the yeah. great southern state of That's the mainland. Right. So there you go. Yeah. Um. But I was able to to go to to Melbourne um, post Dan Andrews, which was fantastic. So there was a bit of life and energy in the beautiful uh, city, and I got to sit there with my wife and enjoy uh, a cuppa and some chocolate in Block Arcade. And so from there, um, during my uh, day and a half in Melbourne, I was able to do some recording. Um, outside uh, the cabinet and uh, premier's office outside the the federal state building. Uh, sorry, the state building, and then from there I went to the federal parliament um, in Canberra to meet Senator Malcolm Roberts, who's one of my favourite men on this planet, and uh, was able to present Senator Roberts with a um, a cooperation agreement called an MSA, a mutual support uh, agreement, uh, whereby we will pull resources, intel, data to investigate the Australian and New Zealand government's response to COVID-19. 
And uh, I was very blessed that uh, Senator Malcolm Rock signed that off. And uh, we will be working very closely from here in. But besides that, we've got uh, doctors, scientists, specialists from all around the world, including uh, Dr. Mike Yeadon, of course, who's the former vice uh, president of, of Pfizer, um, including Professor Robert um, Bob Malone um, and many others, New Zealand scientists, et cetera, that are involved in, uh, in the inquiry. And... Um, uh, it just so happens that in the next couple of days, I'm going to most likely be announcing two very, very, very hugely iconic cultural icons here in New Zealand as commissioners and ambassadors for the inquiry. So it's a, it's an incredibly in-depth thing that we can't get we can't get wrong, Jason. And you know the the work the work media which has been, uh, which has been captured by a military and intelligence service operation. Is looking for any chance to to nail us to to basically say we got something wrong, and so we're going to be taking it you know step by step, being very very detailed, very precise to the point of maybe being OTT, uh, but I'm not going to sacrifice uh, precision and accuracy in this inquiry. Now the difference with this inquiry versus what our brothers and sisters in Canada have done is that we are a fully independent citizen inquiry, just like our Canadian brothers and sisters. But we uh, we differ in that we are right up front um, alleging that the New Zealand Labour government committed crimes against the people of New Zealand during the pandemic era. So that's quite a significant difference there. That makes an enormous difference, doesn't it? Because off the bat, you're on the front foot, and of course, that will attract scrutiny, and uh, people will look, as you said, for any fault that they can do. I, I want to um, just mention the website, if I can, because you can download the terms of reference there. Uh, I might uh, see if we can put up on the screen just so you can identify the document, but the website is nzcci.com. You scroll down on that home page and you'll be able to download those terms of reference. There's some 200 or so uh, parts of the inquiry. It's uh, very, very significant. The terms of reference, as you can see there on the screen, the structure of the inquiry, it's a very, very important and valuable document, Billy. Yeah, it is. The, I mean, really, the the depth of the inquiry is, I guess, belied by the, the terms of reference points to it. And we have two government and two Crown-affiliated um, and generated COVID-19 um, inquiries into the response of the government and how they operated and behaved. But, you know, one of the inquiries, which is the Royal Commission of Inquiry, has about 19 points to its terms of reference. There's another one generated by the new government. And uh, as I say, repeatedly, uh, we've got a new government. It's, the government has changed, but nothing has changed. They've generated a new inquiry, and that has, at this stage, I believe, about 23 uh, points to their terms of reference. But the, the key thing that stands up with both of these inquiries, which, again, distinctiates us, is that there's no pathway to accountability. Essentially, what they're saying, yeah, okay, we've come along, we've burned your business, burned your career, made you sick, killed you, um, we've made you a criminal because you disobeyed lockdown um, laws. Um, but we did it with all the best intentions. But that's completely un un undermined by the fact that they had data right at the beginning of this pandemic that told them that this was a 99.97% chance uh, of survival type virus or slash disease for anyone that comes into contact with it if you're under the age of 70 and if you're of 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 average health. Now, if you're if you're younger, that that goes up to ninety nine point nine nine percent. 
And if you've got comorbidity and if you're elderly, obviously that goes down. But for the most part, most of the citizens of either of any country is going to be in that 99.97 uh, category, percent category of surviving. So we're talking about what's called CFR and IFR, case fatality rate, infection fatality rate, risks. And it's very, very low. And the New Zealand government knew about it right up front. And so really what happened was these these politicians and officials went and, um, you know, performed a medical blitzkrieg on New Zealand citizens. And that needs to be totally investigated. It cannot be walked away from it. Of course, in New Zealand here, we've had the direct, former Director General of Health, Ashley Bloomfield. He's now the number two equal in the International Health Regulations Committee and directly under Tedros at WHO. Uh, we've had um, an assistant uh, um, sort of bureaucrat that was in charge of the COVID-19 response, Carolyn, Dr. Carolyn McElhinney. She resigned, she left. We've ever had, of course, Jacinda Ardern resign from her post as Prime Minister, citing she was exhausted, but she's, of course, found the energy to be a, an affiliate to the World Health uh, Assembly and other things that just, you know, contradict that statement. And so our terms of reference really is about leaving no angle uh, or no rock um, left unturned so that there's nothing that we can't, we can't uh, find out about in regards to the behaviour, the conduct and the decision-making processes behind how the New Zealand Labour government responded to COVID. And that's a big difference. But the, again, the frustrating thing is, Jason, is that if an electrician came to Jason's home to fix your light bulb and he ended up causing a, an electrical fire that burnt your house down and killed your cat and dog, they don't get to just walk away. They, you know, they are held accountable. And uh, unfortunately, it's the same sort of thing that we have with the COVID issue where people that have uh, caused such harm think they've been able to resign and walk away from accountability. And that's, that cannot stand, not in, a, not in a decent society. Well, this is it. And there's just so many things that were, were, were wrong in that process. And it's a great analogy that you give there, that just a normal tradesman comes to your home and makes an error there to be held to account. But it seems that the government of the day can do whatever it wants to do, can stand on you throat and force you to do all sorts of horrific things uh, based on uh, dubious uh, incorrect science and then when it comes to accountability they all put their hands up and um, and then go through this circular motion i think it was journalist rebecca barnett that wrote a story in it last week how the who and the governments of the world each uh, obfuscate their responsibility we saw ted ross from the who come out and say we didn't tell you to about lockdowns we didn't force mandates but then the governments around the world go well we acted on the advice that they gave so this is this idea of being able to step out of the loop. One of the things I have a real problem with and, uh, and have been since the very beginning was that um, we already knew very early on uh, that uh, there that were sources coming out. I think um, uh, it was... Um, uh, I'll come up with his name in a moment, it escapes me, but uh, someone came out very early on and said that this thing was man-made, uh, which we sort of suspected at the time. The FBI, the US FBI has come out and said that it was man-made and we're at this approach now. But uh, in 2024, from COVID-19, that obviously that's when it started. So we're, we're in year five already, and we are no closer to the origins of this man-made virus. Some people still pretending uh, that it came from the Wuhan wet lab, which is ridiculous, but with eight non-random mutations, it uh, was uh, most certainly created in, in a lab. And of course, in the process, the one thing that we've learned around the world is just how many bio labs are operating. Uh, we learned from um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. They went to the United Nations and pointed out there were 28 bio labs there. 
what is going on and why is it that no politician in the world seems to have any interest in getting to the origins of the virus and holding those who were creating it to account? Well, obfuscation, smoke and mirrors is, is a big part of it. Now, you know, one of the things as an investigator that I'm also looking at is is the reality of a of a SARS-CoV virus itself, because what we have seen that's really clear is the the lack of actual laboratory evidence for for the actual virus itself, and that's an intriguing thing. We had Otago University um, in uh, early to mid 2020 say that that say and claim Otago University that they had isolated the primary genesis virus. Um, they then got called out on that uh, when somebody investigated the protocols that they applied to isolating the so-called virus and they had to quickly um, do a Michael Jackson moonwalk backwards away from that claim because it was proven that they hadn't. And so, um, you know, what I often say to people, because I get a lot of people getting in contact with me about that particular issue, and I say, look, that may be another issue down the line, but whether the the virus exists or not right now is, is not a primary concern for me. Now, some would say, well, if you're able to disprove it as a, it, its existence, then that surely would be the killer blow. But the, the fact is, Jason, is that we we are dealing with a an operation um, because of a of a so-called virus that has caused a flow-on effect of negative consequences. And in my personal view, um, is that I truly believe that the that the pandemic was created for the vaccine. That is what I believe the the evidence suggests already. Now, you know, I always say that good good investigation requires the evidence to lead the investigator. So I'm absolutely dedicated to those disciplines. However, however, if we if we look at the um, you know the the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb trail, with how um, it was proven that um, the NIH through Fauci's approval had funded Echo Health Alliance, Peter Daszak then funds the Wuhan uh, Virology uh, Unit in Wuhan uh, for gain-of-function. And so there's a strong suggestion that, of course, there's a gain-of-function program here that successfully, um, you know, bridged the, the, the divide between a, a backborne virus so that it could mutate and be able to, um, to be able to transmit into a human being. Now, there's all the, pa- the paper trailers there, but what we haven't found, though, is the, is the actual laboratory componentry of the actual virus itself. But again, I caution anyone that thinks that, that that's the primary focus right now is to say, well, let's put that over here for the time being, but let's look at all the consequences through that because, you know, I've been speaking to Bob Malone, Bob Malone, uh, Professor Robert Malone, of course, is the co-patent inventor for mRNA. He's a vaccinologist, he's an investor in, to this day, to, to, in vaccines. And so he's not an anti-vaxxer, he's not some crazy conspiracy theorist, but he's absolutely provided me with evidence and direction around that this is a military lockstep um, DARPA operation. It involved the intelligence networks generated out of the US government working with 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 uh, with intelligence service partners all around the world to conduct an operation, and I think when you start going into into those types of fields of investigation, you look at people like uh, um, Ben Weinstein. I wrote uh, that was uh, with Tucker Carlson the other week. Um, again, there's another guy that was um, on that was out today 
um, on Tucker Carson's show talking about the the censorship program that was rolled out, and it's 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 actually Nazi it's actually Nazi one hundred and one uh, propaganda and population manipulation one hundred and one for absolutely without a doubt. And so when we start looking at these things in terms of reference, just back to that has to facilitate us asking the questions and finding the answers that may prove. Um, insidious and nefarious um, behaviour. And I think that's what we're going to come up with. I'm pretty sure of that. But we're going to let the discipline um, rule the day on how to investigate this. Oh, indeed. Now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and get into more of the detail. And I've got some questions for Billy, such as uh, what was the uh, the reasoning behind uh, the vaccine pathway? What was the real intention there? I mean, many of us have our opinions, but it's great to go to the investigator himself and find out. So in the meantime, do you have an upcoming uh, community event, rally, march, festival or fundraiser that could do with some free publicity? TNT wants to promote it for you. Simply get or visit the What's On calendar on the TNT website and submit your event details and we'll get the word out, helping you make a difference on today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Darren Denslow. A cemetery here in the UK could be extended by 7,000 graves to cope with a rise in deaths and burials during the COVID-19 pandemic. Why we need to suddenly extend that grave now, I don't, the graveyard now, I don't know, Luton Borough Council. So plans were being finalised to expand the Vale Cemetery on Greenbelt land next to the town's existing cemetery in Stopsley. A survey in 2008 found the existing cemetery would run out of space by 2025. In fact, I could carry on going through this article and guess what? It doesn't mention COVID again. It only mentions COVID in the headline and the very first line of this story, which sends my alarm bells off uh, 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 ringing because uh, I suspect it has nothing to do with COVID, but everything to do with an increase in deaths and excess deaths since COVID. Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. My guest this hour is Billy Tikahika, who is heading the New Zealand COVID Citizens Inquiry. And Billy, the name that I was referring to early on that pointed out all these anomalies was Dr. Shiva, who has been a guest on TNT Radio, of course. He also talked about very, very early on, I remember something around March, April of 2020, the idea that what you should do in this process was protect those that are most at risk. But for the rest of us, he said, get your vitamin D levels up, your um, uh, your zinc levels up, and just get back to the business of doing what you were doing, which was how it seemed to work out in the end overall. But um, the question that we 
we're going to head to now is um, the motivation. If this was just to get the jab, the mRNA, into the human population, what really was the motivation? Some would argue that it was for profit, or was it to poison us, or was it something else? Well, that's a really deep and penetrating question. One thing I would say immediately, immediately up front, this is not about money. This is not about money whatsoever. They've got all the money in the world. They've got no need for money. If you look at, at the actors and players and organisations that have been involved in this operation for the last, in fact, you can't say it's just four years because when you go right back to it, it goes back decades, the plan leading up to this. I mean, the first um, um, uh, pandemic scenario war game that they uh, brought all of the actors and players like WHO, um, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, CIA, World Bank, um, and all these other actors and players to wargame a global pandemic like this began in 20, 2017. There was a smaller one before that in 2014, I believe, but there was a big one called Sparse Pandemic Preparedness in 2017. And of course, the now famous Event 201 in uh, October, November uh, 2019, just weeks before the real thing. And what they did in, in Event 201 is that they perfected how the, the governments of the world uh, would respond to a global uh, SARS respiratory type global pandemic virus. And so they perfected it just, you know, six weeks later, the real thing was was alive. And I find that an incredible uh, coincidence. But it's got nothing to do with money, that's for sure. They've got plenty of money. They don't need money. What this is, I believe, is when you look at the evidence and data that 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 sort of takes you on a bit of a journey, you think, why are they doing this? Why, why, why have they um, basically created a, a an mRNA vaccine that's never been used before? That is clearly incredibly toxic. It's it toxic. It's gene therapy, and it's making a lot of people sick and killing a lot of people. Now, there's been figures of around 17 to 18, 19 million people have died globally um, at the at the hands of this, if you like, hands of this virus. Uh, sorry, uh, vaccine, and and when you think about the billions of people that have received the jab, that number is actually not out of, out of kilter at all. It's a surprise it's not more than that, but that's still a lot of people. That's a heck of a lot of people that have died um, because of a of a vaccine. In fact, you know, when you look at, at the numbers of, of vaccine inju- injuries and death through the VAIA systems, vaccine adverse events reporting system, either in the US or in New Zealand for sure, there's a huge number of people being negatively affected after receiving the vaccine. So when you look at it and you see that, that um, according to the New Zealand database through the Ministry of Health, you'll see that 65,000 New Zealanders thereabouts have had negative health experiences ranging from, I've got a sore arm where the injection went into, right through, I've had a stroke, I've had a heart attack, I've got myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clotting, miscarriages, death of course and when you look at those numbers and and the history of vaccines leading up to now those numbers have never been present and those health negative health events have never been present in any other rollout of a vaccine before so to me this is about two clear clear things number one is is population reduction and or control or both the second thing is this is about control you know as klaus schwab said you know, um, this is a great opportunity to reset the wor- world into a great new fourth industrial revolution and to end the great reset. And then, of course, Build Back Better came back. Build Back Better came alive. And every, everybody around the world in the leadership positions and political authority 
even bureaucracies were saying, we've got to build back better. But the build back better is into a Project ID 2020 digital surveillance world where your carbon footprint is measured. You have you uh, created um, by COVID means initially, then it'll roll out that you will have a social credit uh, point system against your name. And if you don't behave yourself, if your carbon emissions is too high, you're going to be taxed and or fined and or imprisoned and, and put into a gulag at some point. Now, this sounds like, you know, if, if I spoke like this five years ago, people would say, yeah, absolutely nuts. But the fact is, is that, you know, the, the United Nations, and I was studying this the other day, Jason, the United Nations has got a program right now with China, uh, China's Belt and Road Initiative, is working with the UN on how they will include the Belt and Road Initiative with the rollout of Agenda 2030. And so if this isn't a clear flag of really what the intention is and what's actually behind this, I don't know what is. Because ultimately, when you look at um, at this uh, technocratic uh, green communism that we're dealing with, which is fascist, which has fascist uh, characteristics as well, it's coming back down to population reduction and control. That's really what it is. It's got nothing to do with money. They don't need money. They've got all the money in the world. And if they don't have it in gold in their vault, they just put, push the printer and out it comes that way. And so that, to me, is the motivation behind it. All these men like like George Soros, like uh, uh, Bill Gates, and even even Elon Musk, all of them, all of them are, are just puppets in this game. And so when you get them behind the scene to really, really identify who's pulling the strings, then it all makes sense. Now, the name uh, of the person on Tucker Carlson's show, was it Mike Benz? Yes, it was. Thank you. That we'll, we'll give that credit to the studio who's uh, managed to, to pump that through. Can you tell us a bit more about what Mike was talking about? Yeah, exactly. So Mike was basically, I mean, he absolutely intrigued the heck out of um, out of Tucker. Tucker was just speechless while, while Mike was um, presenting the data that he had, but he was basically presenting clear-cut evidence of a of a intelligence service operation originating out of the US to set up a system of control that it, that when they rolled out this campaign for COVID nineteen, that the moment that the moment anyone poked their head up to say something against Fauci to say something against the uh, the vaccine or the lockdowns or the face masks, that immediately those big te- big tech companies would absolutely you know, just end it, remove it. Cancel culture was super boosted with uh, intelligence services doing deals with all of the big tech companies, whether it was Google, whether it was, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter at the time, didn't matter. They did a deal with them. Um, and bearing in mind, of course, as as Mike reminded, uh, reminded me certainly today, is that, you know, these companies like Google, they were, they were started with um with cia and um do you know dhs uh um, sort of funding they had um, nsa funding and it was to basically set up a system whereby they could control the narrative so that when the the time came and they needed to censor cancel and close down that the infrastructure was already set up the agreements were in place so what he was saying is is that uh back in 2014 uh, leading up to 2016's American elections when Trump won, they were already working on the basis that Russia was working to undermine uh, the elections. And so they created that fake argument that Russia was getting involved in cyber warfare uh, to influence elections. So what did they do? They built the the, the legal infrastructure covertly 
so that they could work with within the uh, within the digital tech industry to to control dissident language, and that's what they did. And that's why you know I had Facebook pages removed. That's why I had you know um, YouTube tell me that I, I said something in a violated community standard, so it was removed, and then my page was removed, and all these things. Now it didn't matter whether it was the, the data I was talking about was fact or not. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with whether it was counter or contrary to what was being uh, propagated by the by the government. And it's still alive right now. We've got, of course, Emmanuel Macron um, and Jacinda Ardern are working on a project to uh, to develop a online sensor program for the world called Christchurch Core. Basically, taking that tragic event that happened in in Christchurch where fifty Muslim people were slaughtered. Um, taking that and using it as as an excuse to be able to clamp down on on internet speech if they determine it to be terrorist language or hate speech, and so it's on that it's on that predicate that they've said that if they define anything as fitting within that category, they can end you right there and then. But in France, they've gone a, a, they've taken that next step and they've said that uh, if you come out and say that the vaccine is not um, efficacious and that it's dangerous you face a three-year prison sentence plus a 45,000 euro fine. Now, the former Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, is working with Emmanuel Macron on this, and it's alive and well, and it's a test case, what they're hoping to to roll around the world. Incredible. It, it, it's it, absolutely incredible, isn't it? Uh, the two-faced, bald lies that are told to us on a daily basis, this gaslighting approach. Billy, as an investigator, I just wanted to go back a little bit here. When um, Anthony Fauci came out in 2017, and I think the quote was, Donald Trump is certain to face a surprise outbreak in his term of office. As an investigator, is that not a red flag? Well, of, of course it is. I mean, I mean, some people have have tried to sort of um, walk that backwards and say, well, he was be he was using generalities, but he was very, very clear in his speech. He said the Trump administration, during its tenure, during its term, can expect a sudden and surprise outbreak and uh, pandemic. And one would look at that and think, well, you know, what sort of glass ball did he have that that gave him that sort of uh, uh, data and intel at that time? And then. But I, I, I think it, I, I think these more brutal, um, um, bold sort of bold sort of uh, indicators that they knew what was coming was when they sat there in New York in in 2019 and wargamed the very scenario of a global SARS outbreak. You know, with all the actors and players ranging from the WHO, they had the CIA, World Bank, they had even the China Centers for Disease Control. Present at this uh, at this role at this rollout of a of a war game scenario, they had banks, they had um, health providers, they had also you know they had um, Johns Hopkins University health security unit. There it was it was all of the same players, including the WHO, involved in that were involved in the real world reality of it. In just six seven weeks later, now I find that particularly um, uh, concerning when you think, well, how did they? How did they know this? You know, how how did they, or is it, is this a coincidence? I think that's the easiest way to distill it down to a question: Is this just coincidence that this has happened, or is this really just the fact that they were doing something in plain plain sight, and then a few few weeks later they pushed the green button and the program went live? Look, it was the same thing 
um, during um, the 9-11 attacks that, you know, the FDA were, were stood down. Why? Because there was a scenario, scenario um, a, a war game scenario where the, where the United States military was responding to airliners approaching New York City to carry out a, a, a terrorist operation. Now, that was happening on the day. September 11, 2001, they were rolling out this war game. And so when reports came out that there were jetliners attacking the World Trade Center, when you hear the tapes of the FDA speaking with the military, both groups were completely confused. They're saying, is this real world? Is this is this war game? Is this real world? You can hear them speaking to each other. And that's why when the, the, the F-16s were dispatched, in fact, they already had an F-16 in the air, this pilot was saying, look, what, what are we dealing with here? Because actually it turned out he was unarmed. He was on patrol, but he was unarmed. And so, you know, these types of coincidences um, are unfortunately a bad look, whichever way you look at it. And they need to be calmly assessed to see whether this event 201 was connected to the statement made by Fauci in 2017. And that statement came just after the sparse pandemic exercise scenario that they rolled out, which was identical to event 201. So, again, you start to look at these things and say, well, you know, is, is Fauci a prophet? No, but how did he know this? Are these things connected to each other? And, again, what I always say is you've got to look at the, the chain of actors and players and see how they connect to the events and then work your way back from that. And I've got an intelligence map that would blow your mind if you saw that. You know how on those movies they have, you know, the whiteboard up there, faces, and they've got the, the wall and the cotton with colours and they're connected to each other? I've got a digital version of that right now that would blow your mind, Jason. Quite, quite I'll incredible. It, I'll send it to you. <laughs> we absolutely love to see it and to be able to disseminate that information. And speaking of information, if you would like to get hold of the terms of reference that Billy's talking about in New Zealand, you need only go to the website nzcci.com. You'll scroll down and you'll see where you can download those terms of reference. There it is up on the screen. That's the document that you're looking for and you'll see all 200-odd different uh, parts of that uh, particular inquiry. And when you compare that to the New Zealand government 23 terms of reference, you start to realise that you're being taken for a ride. Billy, we talked about uh, earlier the um, the idea of companies such as Google being um, uh, just joining the bandwagon. And I wonder if this is a form of um, uh, coercion. Well, it is a form of coercion, obviously, but the whole idea that these companies were, their palms were greased just enough to go on with the scenario. And those that weren't going to go on, such as the independent thinkers in society, were bullied all along. It's uh, would therefore, as an investigator, again, that would be another area of uh, trying to see the obvious glaring intention behind what I still call the greatest crime against humanity in human history. It is. It is. A, I, I believe that as well, Jason. I do. I really do believe that that th this is a significant crime. But you can't just, you know, you can't throw that allegation out and not prove it with with clear cut um, dynamic evidence that proves that. Um, but what I, what I found in New Zealand already is that during that twenty twenty um, early phase of of COVID nineteen um, hysteria, what the New Zealand government did is that it, it entered into negotiations with with google with facebook i call i call it facebook um they entered into negotiations pretty early on in the in the uh, early stages of the pandemic and they negotiated with these uh big tech companies to have their own backdoor entry 
into the the back end of these of these sites such as facebook and twitter so whereby that their own intelligence people could go in uh, into the back end of these of these platforms and basically uh censor on behalf of themselves using this big tech company to close us down so what they were doing and we've got all the evidence here we've got the official information act um information and data that's come through which has confirmed that the New Zealand Labor government negotiated early on in the piece to be able to control and cancel and close down and censor anybody that spoke up against their narrative. And so it wasn't necessarily um, Facebook or or um, YouTube doing it. It was actually New Zealand agents that were doing it. They were actually, you know, but these big techs were signed off to it, so they had no problem with these guys doing it. So they don't get off the hook. But the New Zealand government managed themselves to be able to go into the back end and basically censor anybody that said something they didn't like now the strange thing about this of course when you when you understand that that's happened you then look at the event 201 exercise and you'll see that the control of communications was a big part of their method of operation with dealing with the pandemic so it was called information control and management and so that was all a big part of it and so when you line it all up it's not you don't have to be too clever and smart to recognise that there's a correlation be, between those those clear-cut um, uh, points within Event 201 of how they would roll out a, a pandemic response and you look at the real-world behaviour of these governments, whether it be Daniel Andrews, whether it be Trudeau, whether it be Ardern, you will see that the, the, the response behaviour of the governments mirrored exactly what the, uh, what the uh, war game scenario demanded. And it's you can't argue with it. It's right there cannot be argued with. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Billy, and we're going to come back and talk a little, a little bit more about uh, what else is going on in terms of the inquiry. And uh, I'm just wondering if we're ever going to foresee a day where we're going to have actual courtrooms and and, um, and, and high-profile, po- powerful people sitting in the witness box and being held to account. It's a day that many of us, in fact, I think I think there's a person watching or listening here on TNT Radio that wouldn't agree with that sentiment. In the meantime, we'll take a break. And before we do, just a quick reminder, you can now download every Every single episode on video and audio through the TNT Radio website, or you can catch them and uh, on Rumble individually, where you can share your favourite episodes on your social media to let your friends know about your experience here on TNT Radio. Let's take that break, and we'll be back soon here on TNT. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The United States has really been sold a bill of goods, and I've talked about this several times. I've talked about the people that are running this country are literally bullying the United States. And it's hard to believe that the American people actually let them get away with it, except that if you watch, let's say, Jesse Waters' prime time sometimes, and you see the man on the street interviews, you realize these people, and they're all voting, know nothing about what's going on. Or maybe even less than nothing if that's possible. Now, it's fascinating. We talked about the coal plant issue a couple of days ago. How have carbon emissions changed since 2000. China is up 208%. India is up 158%. Other countries are up 53%. The US is down 10%. Europe is down 16%. Now, here is the question. How is the United States letting these other countries get away with it? And it's kind of simple to understand that the complacency and comfort of the capitalist system and freedom that has developed in the United States 
is building the road it's riding to its own death. Why? Because they're allowing our leaders to simply do whatever they want to do while other countries get away with it. And you want to know something? I don't have anything against China and India for trying to improve their way of life. But why is it the United States and Europe are committing suicide? This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. When the whole world seems turned upside down, we sort through it together. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. And we're back. This is the final segment. My guest this hour, Billy Tikahika. Billy, we are exploring all things COVID and inquiries and New Zealand citizens' COVID inquiry, especially today. Do you ever foresee a day where we will see these people being in witness boxes being held to account? Well, my first response to that is being a um, being a Christian pastor is that they will stand before God and have to face the account of their behaviour, like we all have to. And so, um, if we don't get them uh, ourselves in a in a in a court, then they will be standing in certainly in God's court. But this is this is my strategy, and I don't mind talking about it up front because we've made these allegations that there's been crimes committed by the the Labour government politicians and their their relevant officials. And so our strategy really is to investigate um, every aspect of our, of our terms of reference. It is an evolving document. We've got another uh, three or four points to add to it tomorrow, and uh, which, will, which again will expand the depth and the range of the inquiry. And our strategy is to complete the investigation. We've already got so much intel and data, it's not even funny. And really it's about what we call CORI, which is correlation. We'll get that going. Um, as soon as we've done that, we'll get our own legal advisors to have a look at the information that we've got, which was which will be formatted into what we call a, a summary case file. Once we get it to that point, we will then take it offshore. We will not, at at, uh, at first instance, um, attempt to take it into the judiciary uh, or the court system in New Zealand. We will take it off offshore. One of the uh, goals I have is for Lord Sumption to um, to review the evidence that we have. From there, I'd like to present that evidence in the European Union Parliament. From there, I would like to present it uh, to one of the tribunals uh, concerned with civil liberties, uh, especially civil liberties, to review what we've got here to determine whether there is something to be answered. Once we have that determination, um, it would be basically our goal to bring that, that information, those determinations and advice that we've received back to New Zealand and then do do two things. The first one would be to uh, litigate a civil case against the, the individuals responsible for the harms. And the second thing would be to uh, mount a, uh, a group criminal complaint as well uh, for that. So uh, the idea is that we make that um, our inquiry as high profile as we can, get as many credible um, 
people assessing the the quality of our evidence to say, well, is there something to be answered here or not? Then we bring it back to New Zealand, and then we then we go for it. And I think we will we will get some of these people in court because some of them are going to be maybe just maybe protected to a certain degree by privilege. Um, but I think most of them are going to are going to be in positions where they will need to need to answer these claims. And you know, if we have to uh, be uh, be sort of resolute and robust in how in, in showing our determination to prosecute then I think that's what we need to do. We need to be clever. We need to be determined and resolute. And that always comes down to another thing as well too, Jason, which is funding. You know, this is a New Zealand citizen inquiry. There's a, there are a heap of Kiwis that have infested Australia who love Australia, Australia like I do. And if I may um, may ask as well, that if you, if you are interested in supporting uh, this investigation, please go to our website that Jason has so kindly promoted tonight, nzcci.com. And please consider donating and becoming a subscriber into our database because we we aren't going to receive a penny from the New Zealand government to investigate them. And the reason why they won't do that is for the same reason we can't trust them to investigate their own behaviour. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Now, um, we, we learned only recently that Donald Trump um, was um, penalised $354 million in this ludicrous New York case for allegedly uh, raising the value of his property so that the banks would give him favourable interest rates. The most pathetic um, civil case in, in history, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, what bank doesn't independently value property? But you'll have those that will still apologise for that and tell us that, oh, Donald Trump did it all the time or Donald Trump's a bad man or something like that. But if it's a $354 million penalty, presumably out of a wealth of fortune of somewhere between 4 and $5 billion that we know has gone backward, it's roughly 10% of his entire net worth. In any civil action against these people held responsible for the in this particular COVID era, someone like Bill Gates, what could he be facing in the future in a civil liability? Should he be penalised his entire wealth? Well, I think it comes down to is the is the behaviour of the individuals um, in regards to being involved in an action that caused people harm. What sort of level of, of, of involvement did they have? Were they fully complicit? Were they misfeasant or malfeasant? Um, did they purposely go out of their way to commit crimes? Etc. Like that, you've got to you've got to sort of go through the whole sort of um, schedule of tiers around the level of of criminality involved with us, and and that's why the lawyers involved with us with our project are so important because they're going to tell us right up front whether we're barking up the wrong tree or whether we're going the right way. But someone like Bill Gates, if you if you look at the propaganda that he spout out right at the beginning, was that this this vaccine Pfizer Cominati injection. Uh, was going to be efficient and going to to be safe, which is the exact narrative and thing that the CDC picked up, and all of the other um, you know uh, governments around the world picked up, uh, courtesy of Pfizer. When you look at at um, the 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 nature of the behaviour, which um, um, you know, which in my view completely um, communicates that they're guilty of a crime here. It's really about um, being able to, to prove it, what level of of criminality is involved, and then using the court system to try and get them into court. But look, let's be real about this. Let's look at Pfizer. I mean, Pfizer is a corporate criminal. It's a career corporate criminal that has experienced billions upon billions upon billions of dollars in fines that they don't lose sleep of overpaying. But what you can um, 
can do if you can't get those guys because they've been indemnified is to look at the politicians that signed off on those deals because they've gone indemnified the the propagator of the harm and but they themselves are they are they indemnified from being held accountable because essentially one of the questions that we have it's a it's a basic question is it legal for the new zealand government to do business with a corporate criminal like pfizer and by all the information that i've seen so far it's illegal to do that so the arduin government really had no business signing a secret covert agreement with a career corporate criminal like pfizer and if that's where we start well, that could be a good place to start with that. Um, but I mean, you look at you look at um, the claims made by the New Zealand government. I've got I've got article after article after video clip and article where you've got Ardoon, you've got the the Director General of Health, you've got doctors, you've got politicians saying you can trust us. We know what we're doing. This is safe and efficient. You're going to be. It's going to stop you. You're going to be safe. It's going to stop you from getting sick. Stop you from showing symptoms and stop you from dying. Well, we know now know that was com a complete lie, and that Pfizer itself didn't have the data at that time to be able to give politicians. And so, what the heck were they doing selling that to a, an a, um, a an unsuspecting um, public like that? It's very it, it's very hard to not see complicitness at that point, isn't it? Just just on on this, a thirty seven year old Jacinda Ardern of very very minor credentials becomes the leader and then the prime minister of New Zealand. It, yeah. It's a, it's an unlikely event in any other time in history. Maybe it was that we needed um, you know a, a young, uh, seemingly attractive young breath of fresh air in politics, and that's how it was sort of met at the time. But um, what do you know about Ardern and her practices and, and, and the idea that now that she she tells us that she's um, stepping down because she's exhausted, but immediately gets picked up by Prince William and other organisations and is now the um, the golden child of the globalists? She most certainly is. She's also a cohort at Harvard, Harvard University. Um, she's related to the uh, Chatham House think tank um, in London, which is chaired by none other than her who matriarch Helen Clark. Um, she's involved with the World Health Assembly. She's involved with the WHO. She's still in regular contact with the UN. Um, of course, before she resigned, she did a Brand Ardoon uh, tour in the United States. She met with uh, BlackRock, of course, in a, in a uh, very, uh, very well-known and now infamous meeting with BlackRock. Um, she is a darling. She's a WEF, um, you know, poster child. She's right up there, but what people don't don't seem to um, to know about it was that she is uh, very much a, a a Marxist. She is an absolute full blown Marxist. I mean, she was the president of the International Union of Socialist Youth between two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine. Now that is a full blown Marxist incubation society. It absolutely is. I mean, you look at most of the people that have ever gone through that organization. All of them have gone into leadership bureaucracy or leadership political uh, roles and with her um, she is the epitome of someone that has a hardcore marxist background she becomes the prime minister of new zealand she was groomed in the role you know when you when you go into the um the uh the conditions of how she was made the leader of the labor party just shy of the election coming you know you could you can see that it was there was an operation behind that, in fact. I, I believe there is. And again, um, she becomes Prime Minister. She says she's going to be the most transparent 
government ever. She's going to be honest. She's going to bring kindness back to uh, to politics in New Zealand. Now, if you look at what she was saying there, it's not too dissimilar, dissimilar to what Obama was saying when he uh, took office, and well, just before he took office to become the president of the United States, he was saying that he was going to be the most transparent prime minister and administration ever, but he proved to be the, the very worst, outshining even uh, Bush for um, for harm and civil rights and liberties destruction. And what she's done is Ardun, she came in, and you're right, everybody thought, here we have a young young Kiwi lady, she's going to do the right thing, she's saying the right things, but boy, were we wrong. She came in immediately, she approved so many harmful um, new laws to be legislated. And of course, famously in 2019, before COVID, she committed New Zealand to full implement implementation of Agenda 2030. Um, she signed us up to World Economic Forum programs, including a joint operation with World Economic Forum to write a whole paper on how New Zealand would become an AI nation um, and the regulations that need to attend that. Um, but interestingly enough, really what um, betrays her is that she wins the election and a short time later, you know, halfway into the, the next the next term, she ends up resigning. She claims she's exhausted, but within a, a fortnight, she's at a World Health Assembly meeting and she's pushing the international health regulations. She's pushing the work with Emmanuel Macron around internet censorship, creating these laws. And um, my 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 gut feeling is, Jason, is that she's lining up to have a go at the at the UN Secretary General's role when it comes up. That I think that's where she's going to go. But if she gets there, you know, really, no one should be overly shocked. We've had communists and Marxists and Nazis in the Secretary General's role of the of the UN anyway. We've already had that. But I think the thing that distantiates um, um, Jacinda from those uh, those previous Marxists that were were Secretary Generals of the UN is now that they're actually set up for total um, full onslaught and global domination. And she's the right lady to bring that in, unfortunately. It's quite incredible, isn't it? A wolf in it sheep's is. clothing yet again. Uh, it's like the deception just knows nothing else but to deceive us on the surface. And no doubt there'll be plenty of people um, saying, well, we need a, a female to be the head of the UN. And Jacinda Ardern was a former prime minister and every form of uh, justification that can be. So, Billy, it seems that um, your work keeps you incredibly busy, that uh, there is an incredible amount of urgency that's involved because we need to be like catching a wave. We need to be on the top of that wave and not miss it because if we do the uh the globalist system is determined to go at full speed to bring in these international health regulations to warn us of future pandemics and to take control of our uh our, our medical sovereignty and uh and, and force some form of compulsory medicine all for the greater good of course even when it fails miserably and those in power have got absolutely no interest whatsoever we've um, unfortunately reached the end of our, our time together billy i just want to say thank you again for taking the time to be on this show and and on the other shows here on tnt radio and for the incredible amount of work you do against a resistance uh, that uh, wants to go after you and that only means that you're over the target and doing an incredible incredible story so thank you so much again Again, and I look forward to um, to uh, being in touch and uh, and to sharing information and to get out there and support the work that you're doing. NZCCI.com. Download that document for free and you'll see the incredible amount of work that Billy is doing. Thanks, Billy. Coming up next on the show on TNT will be Charles Coves, who will have another brilliant guest, no doubt. I'm looking forward to getting off and sitting back and watching that as I prepare for a big week ahead. We're going to say goodbye now. Thank you for watching Weekends with Jason Albert on Saturdays and Sundays. 
have a great lineup for you again next week here on TNT Radio.